What is going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's Pardon the Disruption. I am extremely excited to be here and be hosting this well-informed panel of um, our esteemed group over here. Real quick, wanted to go ahead and give you guys a rundown on how we do things around here. There will be six questions, five of which are predetermined. The last one will come from our audience, so make sure that you are commenting uh, on YouTube, Instagram, send carrier pigeon, smoke signal, whatever works best for you. So each one of our guests, with the exception of Steve, will get 45 seconds to go ahead and answer the question. We're going to put Steve on lightning round. He gets eight seconds today so we can speed up the pace, um, get him thinking on his toes. Um and then at the end, we will chop it up for two minutes, and the winner will be awarded a point. The person with the most points at the end of the show will clearly be our winner. Our winner from last week is not here. He is um, focusing on something else today, so we went ahead and put second place in first place. So to start off, introduce yourself, Eric Brewer. Oh, sorry. I was making notes on there about how we could reduce – Potter's intro, um, and potentially even just his overall involvement. Um, felt myself drifting off into a nap there the first three minutes of the show. Um, I'm the panel's best trash talker, but I need to make a formal announcement today that I actually felt bad at the end of the last show. I felt like I kind of went at Potter pretty hard there, and uh, it actually it had me rethinking my approach. So today, um, this will be the official beginning of me being a more understanding, compassionate, um, complimentary member of the panel um, to everybody other than Steve. So excited to be here um, and ready to get started. Sorry, Potter. Fair, fair enough. Clearly, you read my post yesterday about learning how to apologize. And for that, I thank you. I'm not too All big right. of a man to, to admit when I'm wrong. I appreciate that, Brewer, and it's a, it's okay. At the end of the day, I know I'm winning, and you know I got great great life, great wife, great kids, uh, so can't go. complain. Next up, uh, coming to us from the Unabomber Shack, we got RJ. As much as I like 420 Steve, uh, I despise this version of Eric Brewer. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> the nicer, more complimentary version, like Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm uh, RJ Bates, um, Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, I'm in a lake house, so they like to make fun of that. Um, currently, day 24 of our 50 day challenge. Uh, really love the support we've gotten from the whole group. Selling deals to, to eric and leon and cj got potter helping us with a short sell and uh steve has been a great cheerleader man i mean he's just sitting over on the sideline cheering us on it's been awesome so uh, appreciate all the support you guys outstanding we we appreciate you being here rj all right next up sir certainly the uh <clears throat> The guy that's going to get the digs today. We got Steve. What's going on? What's up, everybody? Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptor. has been in business for 16 years now. We recently launched a sales community, uh, salesdisruptors.com. It's a community of other sales assassins. If you want to associate yourself with other people that are closing deals, definitely check out our community at salesdisruptors.com. Um, RJ's bitter because he only locks up crappy deals. He sent me a deal that I would 
was like, this is a deal that's on the MLS right now. And you locked it up for higher than the asking price on the MLS. But okay, I'll still look at it. And it's uh, called and it, agent outreach. <laughs> and as far as Eric goes, if this is his new position, we are looking for a new panelist because we're bringing people here to tear each other down, not to lift <clears throat> each other up, not during this show. Wow. All right. So 420 Steve apparently is going to uh, go ahead and revisit us today. Last but certainly not least, the last time he was on the show, he was the champion. We have Leon. Don't forget the G, Barnes. What's up, everyone? Glad to be back. Um, it's been a while. Um, I think you guys can start calling me Robert Ori. Because when I come in to your team, I just I bring championship level you know, caliber of, of shows. I win, I come in, I win, take my rings and go home. So looking forward to today's show and uh, excited because it's been three, four weeks since I, I took home the championship belt. So looking forward to def uh, defending it. Absolutely. We're happy to have you here today, Leon. We're going to go ahead and get into it with our first question. What are three tips you have for first time real estate investors? Start us off, bro. Um, you know, I think this is interesting. Um, everybody probably has a, a different perspective. Uh, and I also want to say in um, celebration of Steve um, having 16 years in business, um, he actually has a shirt on that belongs to a 16 year old private school uh, boy. Um, so please return that as soon as possible, Steve. Um, you have no business wearing that shirt. Number two, um, Complimentary. I think people, people get. I, said to everybody, yeah. I think a lot of people have different opinions. Listen, I think what you have to realize is that it's easier to start local. Uh, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. What RJ does on a national level is extremely difficult. I think you should start local, um, connect with local people, get to know the values. Uh, number two, network, network, network. Uh, one of the biggest expenses that drives a lot of new investors out of business or causes stress is expenses, marketing budget. Um, you can generate a lot of leads by just networking. Um, number three, you got to know your numbers. I've seen a lot of people buy their first house, make a mistake, uh, lose money, right? Or not be able to pay back in investors and they have the shortest real estate crest uh, investing career ever. Those would be my top three things. Very useful. Thank you, Brewer. We appreciate that. And the dig on Steve, of course, with it being June Absolutely. All right, RJ, what about you? Three tips. Yeah, I'm going to start off with marketing. You're going to have to get great at that, whether that is, uh, you know, you're self-generating yourself through referrals, cold calling, driving for dollars, or if you're generating inbound through PPC or, or just buying like what I'm doing right now through Lead Zolo and Speed Lead, um, you, you need to get great at marketing. Um, next, know your numbers, like Eric said. Um, understand where to buy. Um, get quick and efficient at it so you can get better at closing deals so you're not making this a multiple step process. And then last and, and probably most importantly is how to talk to people, both sellers and buyers, right? This is the, the most important thing about uh, what we do as wholesalers. So you better be able to figure out how to talk to people quickly. Perfect. RJ with one second to spare. Uh, definitely appreciate the insights there. All right, Steve, what are your top three? Well, I was going to say sign up for the brewer method, but um, I'm going to change my answer. So I think first you got to start 
and take action. I think one of the biggest things when you say first time real estate investors is that they're waiting for the right time. They're trying to collect as much information as possible. Also, you got to take action. Second thing is you got to find a community or tribe. People are trying to do what you're doing, whether at a RIA or a local meetup or something along those lines. For those for those of us, those of us on a panel that are qualified, we're in the collective genius. Other people, you know, it is what it is. You can't you can't help everybody. Um, and then I would say uh, the last thing is, um, I mean, I guess really that's really what I have is just finding a tribe and just start. Don't try to time it. If you're just going to time it, there'll never be the right time to get started. Steve, your third answer could have been ask one of the other people that actually know. So you, you yeah. All right. So, Eric. Damn. Here we go. Good, good answer. I don't want you to be two thirds of the way done. Oh, find a short uh, guy. That was the third one. Find a short Yeah. I, I can't believe that Steve fumbled literally the gift that was given to him here. All right, Leon, what are your three? Well, first, if Steve gets the point on this one, I'm <laughs> never coming back to this show, quite frankly. I mean, goodness gracious. Well, I don't know what the hell that was. Um, first and foremost, um, you know, I know that um, take action is, is a big one for um, a lot of people have said that already, but I'm going to go a different route. Um, I'm going to go the route of finding a mentor or a coach with, this is the important part, a proven track record, specifically that, a proven track record on the asset class or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish as a real estate investor. It is super important. That's one. The second thing is listen to them and just do what they say. If they have a proven track record, follow what they say. Be coachable. Don't try to do anything outside of the box. Just do what they tell you to do. The third, the third thing, easy. Network, network, network. I have talked to several people over the last few weeks that do 50 plus transactions a year, spending zero marketing dollars networking with agents, networking with other investors. They network so well that they make in, uh, relationships that they can sell other people's deals. There's a great opportunity in not spending any money of just going to as many networking events and making, there's a phone, there's th this thing called a phone. People used to dial with rotary, you now actually have it in your, in your pocket. Get on that and work and call as many people as you can in your local market uh, to Eric's point earlier, st starting local. Those are three simple, easy tips that you can apply and go and go use tomorrow. So I, I'm going to disagree with the whole network, network, network thing, because I feel like that eliminates the step number one, which is take action. Um, people can find themselves in this position where it's, you know, hey, I went and had lunch with Eric Brewer today. And then, and then, you know, the next day I went and met with a title company and they find themselves in this endless cycle of not having any time to take the action. And I think with nowadays, with the ability of getting yourself out there through content, you can still network without having to do what traditionally people think networking is, which is taking time to go somewhere to have a belly to belly meeting. I think if you just start putting content out there, if you look just by putting myself out there and saying, hey, I'm doing deals, I'm doing deals, people have come and said, here, here's 10 free deals that I want to JV with you. So to your point, Leon, you can still do that, but I don't think that it's the best use of someone's time when they're trying to get started to do just networking. 
I think that's very not fair. Doing any deals, which is the first time investor, what would their content be? The, the everything it's it's not you you don't document perfection you document your journey that's what gary v has been telling us for decades now and, so document and you networking what's that why not document us networking so you get local networking by the way i don't think networking at that phase i wouldn't suggest one-on-one go to meetups like go to go to sure. a meetup that's got 30 50 60 people in it so to clarify i think rj is correct to have a one-on-one sort of meeting with someone, you're going to get a, a very um, singular perspective. That's not, in my eyes, networking at that level when you're trying to get started. Um, but I think you make a good point. Um, social media is a great way to network with people um, that you might not be able to um, meet with at a meetup or, or, or you know, have a face-to-face -face conversation with. So I, I think there's power in doing both. Go to meetups, document your journey. You'll connect with people that may be to bring you business you'll be able to connect with people that are potentially starting their journey um the same as you are and you can get probably 10x the the, the exposure than you would if you just did one or the other eric take hey, us for an example here i've never met you in person yeah but because of social media and what we've been able to do now every time i'm getting a deal a, a lead in pennsylvania i'm coming to you i'm shooting you a text hey what do you think about Stroudsburg, pennsylvania you're like yeah let's do it yeah, I think Steve would like credit there. I can tell by the smirk on his face that it's not actually because of social media that we're actually doing deals because he he, he brought us onto the show. He's counting that as one of his 10 deals this year. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, if I can have my name just tagged, I'll count as one of the deals. Hey, Leon, for, real quick, you're talking about, you know, finding a mentor that's got a proven track record. For someone, like a person that's doesn't know what they're doing, right? Like they're just getting started. They're on YouTube right now. Like what questions would they ask like an RJ or an Eric, like to find out, to verify that they have a proven track record? Because I imagine if I go to RJ, hey, I want to work with you. How do I know you're real? They might take a slight offense to that. I don't know. So like, how, how does someone go about Move on verifying? to the next one. I mean, I think it's, if someone's not willing to share with you, you know, their, their track record, their proven track record of, whether it's a wholesaler, fix and flip, innovation coach, um, what have you, if they can't show you evidence of, of, of uh, or give you other investors that they've worked with to help them build their career, then you need to move on to the next individual. Nothing against anyone, but as a brand new person, you should be interviewing them as much as they're trying to get you as their student. I saw a great video the, yesterday. Some lady talking about how she's doing 50 deals a month on her own. Got sellers banging her door. Uh, the importance of vetting cannot be understated. Are you insinuating that she could be lying? I am stating very clearly and explicitly she's a fraud. Oh my gosh. All right. Here we have it. Okay. Why we cleared that up? Thank so, you. RJ, real quick, RJ's response earlier was, was one of his better replies to anything I've ever said. He's so right. I left out the social media part of this. Um, you can uh, gain a lot uh, of network through social media. But I also think that when you're starting out new, it's important to time block things. It's important to understand that networking an hour a day uh, isn't going to take up, you know, all of all of your time, all of your all of your day. If you just did that, I mean, hell, Eric's proven this by doing lunches 
you know, with, with complete strangers in his marketplace and gaining new relationships just by sitting down and having lunch and putting that out there, but through social media. So that was a good reply. And I think the other thing too, uh, sorry, Matt, the other thing too is I think it's really important that you do cap how much time you spend on personal development. I am, I love personal development. I think it's absolutely critical, but some of these guys are spending all their time watching YouTube, listening to podcasts and not taking enough action. It's definitely a case of moderation and, you know, taking from the pot put it together um first things first steve yep. only answered 66 percent of the question so he's not getting the point this this round um ne- next up that's more than most of eric's answers uh, he's still giving okay. points if, fair but he also gave me an apology i've i've worked with you for what 10 years i still haven't gotten an apology i'm sorry um, you're terrible at your job the, okay <laughs> the, this round is definitely this this one's definitely going to uh ted Sisson. Uh, Zazinski down there in uh, uh, Fort Worth. RJ gets the point. It, he made some very valid points. And to his point, we're all connected, even though we're not connected, but we are all connected. Like, you know, six months ago, RJ and I working together in any capacity doesn't exist. Right. Um, you know, social media. All right. Uh, what's next. His, what's his name again, Matt? What, what, what's, what, what's uh, RJ's name? Uh, Look, I messed it up. I can't pronounce it. It's not. <laughs> Look, fine. How, what, what else you want me? What else you want me to put? Yeah, whatever. We're moving on. Next up, what are common mistakes investors are making during a recession? Start us off, RJ. Well, I, I think for me, it's going to be the two polar opposite extremes. I think one, it's freezing what you're doing and saying, Hey, I'm afraid of what's coming in a recession. So I stop doing what I do on a regular basis to make income because I'm afraid. And then the, the other part is, is t- turning a blind eye and, and continuing down the path and putting yourself in a bad position where you stand to lose a substantial amount of money. So I think it's, uh, it's mandatory that you stay in tune to the values and how quickly they're falling and what's happening, but you have to keep taking action to make sure that you're continuing to make revenue. I think those are the two polar opposite reactions to the recession. Then we saw the the first reaction where everybody stopped in November and December. And now I think we have an opposite reaction where I think people are just turning a blind eye that that could not be coming back and they're still buying aggressively. So I think those are the two most common mistakes. Good points. Good points. All right. Next up, Steve, what about you? Um, RJ touched on it, right? Playing scared, you know, cutting back, waiting, uh, waiting for this winter to pass. Um, you know, I think you get to witness it right now. You know, you see a lot of guys right now that are really uh, enjoying the the fruits of their investments and taking and being consistent, right, with their operations. Uh, we see a lot of these guys right now in CG that are doing really, really well and having really, really good months, right? It's because they were consistent with their marketing and they continue to take action. So I think playing scared uh, will have a direct consequence. You're gonna pay the price in the future if you're not continually reinvesting in your business, whether it's marketing uh, or your people. So I think playing scared is the biggest uh, mistake that investor can make uh, during a recession. Steve with five seconds to spare. We, We appreciate it. That was good insight. 
Next up, Leon. And Leon, so you know, I Googled it. Yes, I screwed up. It's Kaczynski. My apologies on that. <clears throat> All right. Well, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you corrected yourself. Congratulations. Um, all right, so both Steve and RJ had good points. I'm going to add to it a little bit. Um, I, I saw some of this last uh, Q2, Q3 of last year, especially for that investor that had been in the business, you know, that three-year time frame when COVID hit, uh, people, a lot of people went full-time. It's focus. Um, in recessions, people that, especially that have made money, have had stacked cash, invest in things that they don't understand. And I heard a lot of this. I'm going to, because this, what I've been doing has slowed down or has become tougher, I'm going to now take this opportunity to invest in X because it's sexier for whatever reason. Opportunities have come up, come open uh, because of this recession. So I'm going to invest in X or Y, whether that's crypto, multifamily, commercial, something that's different than their focus was that got them to that point. Um, you can invest in other things, but losing that focus and going into something that you don't completely understand, I think is a mistake during a recession. Sometimes you just got to get back to basics. All right, bro. What about you? Um, that's a pretty timely question. Um, I think we've all seen some variation of that, uh, either internally or with friends or associates over the course of the last six to nine months. And, and I see it as three potential mistakes that can be made. Um, one is panicking, um, and seeing a relatively short term set of circumstances and fire sailing or shutting down operations, pulling completely out on marketing. Um, I think that's a mistake. Number two is like the opposite, completely ignoring the winds of change, kind of putting our head down and acting as if, um, you know, we're so optimistic and so above reproach that whatever's changing or this recession or interest rates won't impact us. It eventually makes its way into everybody's um, living room. And then the third is not preparing. You can call it a recession. You can call it COVID. Um, you know, we can say that we can't prepare for these things or predict, but they happen every five to 10 years. There's something that, 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 that comes along um, that pulls the emergency brake on the economy or makes things way more difficult. So it's overreacting, not reacting, and not preparing. Those are the three things that I see people, including myself, and make mistakes before, and hopefully I won't make either of those three again. Eric, as a follow-up to that, oh, I'm sorry, did I jump in before RJ got an opportunity? No, I answered. I was first because okay. I won the first. You just one. didn't remember it because it was such a crappy <laughs> answer. It was very forgettable. <laughs> Boy, everyone just repeated what I said. Good job. Uh, you went first, pal. But you know, there's, there's be some of that if you have any decency in your response, which there was minimal of. But it was much like Steve's first answer. It was like kind of half to two thirds of an actual reply. So Potter, thank you for remembering mine, though, Eric. I appreciate that. Bring Eric, me up, Potter. I don't want to. I don't want to lose this opportunity because what you just said there of preparation on your third. What is the number one thing? You know, as we every five years go through a change, what's the number one thing for those real estate investors right now that may be in their first three years? It's the number one thing they can they can do to prepare. Let's help somebody here. I think it's a two-part answer, even though it's one. The easy answer is cash. 
but I would push back to people and go, well, how do I, how do I stack cash? The real answer is you got to make a bunch of it, right? So then how do I make a bunch of cash? So I think it's two things. You got to protect your mindset. How do I not panic? Um, you have to be strong-willed, strong-minded and disciplined, right? So I think it's two steps, prepare your mind and then earn a bunch of money and keep a bunch of it. Um, that's how you can be prepared when you go into a recession or COVID or high interest rate environment. I'm going to, I'm going to, double down on what both Eric just touched on and what Leon talked about. I mean, I'm not shy about this. I'm, I'm as transparent as I possibly can be. I mean, we end of last year when we started part of the disruption, you know, I mean, we, we had broken focus. Leon used the example of some of his friends investing into other things like maybe, you know, crypto or, or Amazon stores or some bullshit that they saw, you know, and said, Hey, I'm going to move over here because real estate is not working. You know, for us, we started filming the TV show. We got a bunch of flips. Uh, we got screwed on that deal and, and more to come on that. But, um, you know, uh, it, it put us in a bad spot. And then we have November and December, everybody stops buying. And all of a sudden I'm sitting here going, what in the world's happening? Our world has turned upside down. And, and my solution was I set Cassie down and I said, forget everything else. Forget education. Our, our video course is now free. We record it. You want it, you can have it for free. Okay. Forget the crucible. I don't care about the crucible anymore. So I don't even talk about it here. What got us to where we are? Real estate, wholesaling. We're going to go back to that. And that's all I care about. You can't talk to me about anything else. Because that's what's going to get us out of this. And so to Leon's point, I completely agree because people that take that broken focus and go somewhere else, that could get you in a lot of trouble. Shout out to the Crucible students. If you're looking for um, someone that can pick up where RJ left off um, and you're currently feeling like a redheaded stepchild, uh, shoot over to BrewerMethod.com. Uh, I think looking back, though. I think looking back, probably the biggest regret was starting part of the disruption to just get berated by people every every Thursday and it's getting like zero accountability up. for sixty minutes. Right? It's like get yourself an accountability partner. We all have five of them, um, you know, each and every week. So it's pretty it's pretty awesome. If you I have love one. how Eric's answer to mine stay saying stay laser focused is. Hey, come over here and learn this new shiny object. Great job. <laughs> RJ, where's the gift I sent you? It's it's on my video. You can look it up right now. It's behind Cassie's head. <laughs> it's right next to the titanium bar. But nice. I do, I do, I do appreciate you guys talking about though, right? Like people like changing focus because like there are a lot of people right now that I'm hearing they're moving to solar. It's like oh god, they're just completely <laughs> moving away from real oh, estate. Summertime. I mean. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get that summer air in your tires too, right, Steve? You got to get that, and then you just, yeah. and then I do plowing and snow removal. Uh, come, you know, November, December, very lucrative. Very Real lucrative. Quick, uh, Eric and I were on a call speaking to the point of Q3 and Q4 being rough for a lot of investors last year. Eric and I were on a call with the service provider within our community that mentioned to us that not one individual that she works with um, had a profitable Q3 or Q4. Um, and I can tell you that those that prepared to Eric's point of the right mindset, 
having a bunch of cash because they've made the last three years a ton of it and were good stewards of their business, they weren't panicking. You know, hey, we had a bad Q3, we had a bad Q4, and they, they bounced back. Q1 uh, was, uh, for most people, was really good. Q2, shaping up the exact same way. And so I just, I wanted to mention that because most people that have the right mindset and have prepared for it, you don't stress during those times of back-to-back losing quarters. All right. That, that was a great round. Did not disappoint. Love the amount of crap that was talked during it. Um, going to go ahead and give this one to our old school reigning champion, Leon G. Barnes. Good job. Congratulations on that, on that round. Everybody have very valid points though. I am going to go ahead and let you guys know that, but I've been testing my commitment to being nice. (laughs) We are 22 minutes in. Look, I don't, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear anything more from you. Lacing you and just leaving you for dead, but. All right. Well, hopefully you can come with some better answers uh, on the next question. We're going to go ahead and start out with that. Uh, We have. As opposed to trying to steal RJ's clients. Okay. Calm down. (laughs) With the NBA finals starting today, what characteristics does a company need to be a championship level team? Start us off, Leon. Man, this is why I love sports and probably why we talk so much about it on this show is that the two business and sports go go hand in hand and for me you know championship level teams are all about having the right people in the right positions all rowing in the same direction everyone has the exact same goal Um, everyone is uh, trying to accomplish that they understand their role they've been trained they've been coached up no different than the two teams that we see in the nba finals right now you have people that are passionate that are really good at what they do, and all of them are rowing in the same direction to, to that NBA championship. You know, I know that sounds easy. Uh, it is not. There are not a lot of teams, business, or sports that you see overnight champions. It doesn't happen. You know, Jordan had to go through the Pistons, right? The Pistons had to go through the Celtics. LeBron had to go through everyone, right? I mean, these things take time to build culture. Um, it, it's not easy to do. It takes execution and time, but it's the right people in the right places executing uh, towards the right, the, the same goal rowing together. Awesome. Thank you, Leon. We appreciate that. All right, Brewer, what about you? Um, that was like the worst answer I've heard in weeks. It was so like corporate, like somehow we, we lost the only black guy on the show. And we brought the whitest dude ever. <laughs> His replacements. So whoever's in charge of staffing here really, really missed the mark on this. But I still love Leon like a brother. He's just chalky, pasty white. Looks like he just left ground zero. But I would say there's, there's three things. Uh, shout out Dave Chappelle show. There's three things. Uh, uh, supercharged, extraordinary communication. And by that, I mean two things. Constant encouragement. Uh, one of my favorite sort of images ever from basketball was a few years ago. There was a NCAA player that just made a huge mistake, uh, cost his team the game and, and his teammate like lifted his chin up, right? Like the images of lifting, lifting his chin up. Chin up. Um, you got to encourage people constantly because there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be adversity. The second part of that is almost the opposite. There has to be a culture of accountability or tough love when someone makes a mistake. So the combination of those two encouragement 
and accountability and tough love. Number two is you have to have a point guard, a center, a forward or small forward. There has to be some diversity in the style of play and the skill set. Um, Sixers, big Sixers fan, PJ Tucker, everybody raves on the guy, right? He plays defense, averages much like Steve, less than one point a game. <clears throat> But he plays a, a role on the team. He's a vocal leader. He's physical. He always guards the other team, uh, team's players. So those are the top two um, that I would say, it, whatever team at the end comes out ahead, the best job of those two things. <coughs> all right. All right. What about you, RJ? What you got? Yeah, so like Leon, I love this question. Um, I'm going to use an example of, of my team in the NBA, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, we have great talent, generational talent in Luca. Um, so personnel is important, but that doesn't necessarily translate into being a championship team. But the reason why a team like Denver is a championship team is because the, the leadership, the coaching staff has implemented that this is a process and the players have bought into it. You take their generational talent, Jokic, and, and you've got someone that always makes the right play. Regardless of if that means he's scoring or if he's making the pass, he's always making the right play. And then the consistency that he has, the entire team has across the board, um, we call it consistent as a tree here. Um, and you see that with this team where the consistency that he has as a player, he's not having those ups and downs like our generational talent, Luca, he can go out and score 55 one night. And then the next night, he's still going to throw up 30 shots, but he might only end up with 20 points that night. And at the end, it looks like a great average, but it's not winning. And that's, I think, the difference between a, a losing team and a championship team. I get charged up just thinking about that locker room speech that goes, all right, let's go out and be a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, consistent like a tree. They change leaves two or three times a year. Like what? A tree? I'll explain it to you after Steve goes. I'll explain it to you. Hey, it's good to have the brewer daddy back there. You know uh, that was uh, awesome. All right, Steve, bring it, bring it home before the before the discussion. <laughs> well, before I forget, uh, RJ is looking to hire a new slogan person for his organization. Just FYI. Um, so I would say if you look at the Denver Nuggets and, and the Miami Heat, you look with what they're doing with the Nuggets, right? There's selflessness. They want to win. They want each other to win. They've got clear roles, right? Clear roles, responsibilities. You hear Bill Belichick say this all the time. Dave uh, and Nick Saban say this all the time, right? Do your job. Everyone's embraced their role, and they want to win together. And I think with the Heat, I don't, I can't think of very many teams that have more grit, that have faced as much as adversity. I would say that one of the most common characteristics you see for most successful entrepreneurs and businesses is you can't keep them down, right? Like you're, I love playoff Jimmy, right? Jimmy freaking Butler. That guy embodies grit. The guy that, is, that was never supposed to make it in the NBA has come this far. I think grit is a really big part of that. So I think the, the selflessness, the commitment to roles and responsibilities and grit are the three characteristics I'm looking for in a championship level team. All right, so let me explain this tree here, okay? We're all ears. All right, just make sure y'all feel like Duncan Robinson over here. We're all leaves. You plant a small little pretty flower. You notice you actually physically see the growth happening, 
okay and then it stalls out it's it, you know it gets about 12 18 inches you plant a tree you don't ever really notice the tree growing but at the end of the day it's the biggest motherfucker out there and it lives the longest that's how RJ, I you know what makes business to be no so like metaphors rj i don't know rj if you know this but metaphors are like jokes right if you have to explain them they're not good Steve, shut up one second okay <laughs> I just want to be consistent as a tree where you never notice it growing. Just I don't move on. All pretty flowers. Got it, RJ. I need a slogan. Perfect sense. Potter, Potter, this is now two questions <laughs> that if that answer wins, I'm walking out. No more. That's consistent as a tree, we say around here. Oh, my God. And the tree of the month award goes to... Oh my God! How exhilarating! What is your turnover? <laughs> I don't think anybody leaves. <laughs> oh! Yeah, buddy. Oh, oh man. man! All right, so um, we're gonna go ahead and <laughs> glossing over. Um, I mean. Honestly, I'm just going to have to go with Steve because he gave a shout out to the Patriots, Belichick, you know, just do your job. Um, I'm a huge proponent of that. Uh, and I just feel that that's the that's the best answer. You know, when we got Mr. Oak Tree over here, I agree. Uh, we understand. We understand you're confused now with that answer. It confused everybody. It, so just and somehow he looped a, a flower into the conversation. He used a flower to. <laughs> I like, understand I, this is over your head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all he's right. He's going to die oh. on this. He's planted his flag here. He's going to die with this. Hopefully we can do better in the next question. Because uh, we certainly can't do any worse than what just happened. All right. <laughs> next up. What was the most difficult leadership decision you've had to make in the past? I like this one. All right, Steve, start us off. You know, every time I, th I think about the tough decisions we need to make, there are a lot of decisions that we make that it's like, you know, it's business, it's no big deal, we move on. Um, but every single time we have to let someone go, it always hurts, right? It's never been like, oh, I'm glad we did that. Oh, that was such an easy thing. Every single time we've had to let someone go, whether it's their fault or not, right? It's always been difficult because you know there's consequences. The way I looked at in the past, of letting someone go it's kind of like a divorce right like i know everything there's to know about you and i've now deemed you insufficient for the company right it's it's it, it pains me every single time you have to let someone go so i think for me it's the same thing over and over again it's it's letting it's letting good people go okay a little different than some of the conversations we've personally had steve but okay um next up leon what about you? So I had this long answer um, when I first read this. 40 seconds. Uh, when I read this question, um, I, I, I thought about just me in my career and leading teams that I've built uh, because I had some great opportunities. Um, but the more I thought about, you know, the ones that hurt, one of the most painful decisions that I had to make as leader uh, usually involve personnel. Um, number one, that I failed someone in regards to their development. Um, they were up for a promotion or wanting a promotion. 
wanting to get to a certain level and they were not ready and you had to promote somebody into that seat different than them. And I felt like I failed them, number one, to know that that's what they aspired to and number two, getting them to develop to that point. Um, and then goes along with the, the second part of that, which is if that person wasn't leveling up, uh, usually um, the other side of that, I was having a conversation about leveling out. Um, and that is one of the hardest things, that, you know, even if you, you know, you do a thousand um, uh, firings or uh, leveling people out, uh, it is never an easy uh, conversation because you understand that it's more than just business. There's, there's people that have families and those types of things. So um, it all kind of came back to my failure as a leader to develop that individual to a point where they were getting to the the places that they wanted to get to within the organization. Very good insights. We, we appreciate that, Leon. Uh, that was a uh, good look inside. All right. What about you, bro? So I think um, what we tend to do is give like a surface level answer. Um, I lost track of what Leon was saying, so I can't say that's the case. But Steve, I heard say letting go of personnel. And that's a conscious decision that we make. <clears throat> but I think the actual root cause is, a, is a, a decision that we made to not become a better leader, not to become a better interviewer, recruiter, hire of talent. So the actual symptom was the fact we had to let somebody go. But the root cause was a decision we made much earlier to not be more disciplined with our expenses, more disciplined with our focus, more disciplined with the way that we hire, more disciplined with the way that we train. I did catch that part of Leon's answer, right? Like, did I invest into that person um, enough to give him a fighting chance? So I think the surface level for me has always been, man, it really stinks that I have to stop doing something, stop employing that person, stop this new business venture, stop going into this market. Because uh, it always, I think, acknowledges a sense of, of failure, at least a little bit. But if I get to the root cause of that, it was always started by a, a subconscious decision I made to be undisciplined with the way I approach those things in the first place. And what I think you should do is really get to the root cause, which is generally leveling up as a leader. Um, and, and that will solve a lot of the other issues that pop up down the road. Also a good answer. Impressive, bro. It's nice to see that you decided to join us halfway through the show. We appreciate it. All right, RJ, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to do it right now. I mean, seeing as I'm the smartest person in this room and I've outgrown this because y'all can't understand a simple metaphor about a tree, <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to retire from part of the disruption. Uh, no, I, I, on that note, though, uh, for me, it has not been the personnel um, inside my, my office. Um, it, it, going back to the networking, the social media, it's been removing people that I have viewed as a peer or as a colleague um, from my business because they're not a good fit for us. They're not someone that we should be doing business. That's always been a very difficult decision, specifically when it comes through attending a mastermind like Collective Genius, um, where it's like, this is someone that's highly respected, but it is not working out well for us in our business. Removing that person, that is an extremely difficult decision because it also comes with a lot of questions from your other peers. Um, so that's always been an extremely difficult decision to make. 
By the way, yeah. RJ is the smartest guy in the room. And number two, he's the only person in that room. Like he's by himself, <laughs> literally in his unfinished basement. Well. Um, and if he's not, um, I apologize to Cassie because her desk is obviously close by with the hedgehog on it. That That's uh, completely disrespectful that he would say something like that with you sitting right there. So, so he can no longer... He can no longer say that he fires or get rid of people. We're now calling him RJ the lumberjack that's just chopping wood. That's that's what from here on out, you are the lumberjack. He's pruning the trees. Y'all get it one one day. One I day. love that his answer was he's gonna quit like the Mavericks. I mean, at least he embraces you know his local <laughs> sports team. Um and then you know, on the performance reviews, right? Like when RJ's letting people go, he's like, Look, was not consistent as a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were a little flower, not a tree. Oh man! No, I, I'm going back to the question. Uh, I, I do, I do think that there's a lot of things that we we sometimes struggle with, and so I, I almost answered this differently, which is um, every decision that we make has a level of difficultiness to it that not one is more important than the other, especially when it comes to decisions about removing people from our companies, which is easy for us to go to. Um, it, it, you're kind of putting more weight on certain decisions than others. And, and I think that, to Eric's point, can kind of lead you to that end result that becomes that ultimately huge, difficult decision. So to Eric's point, I, I kind of like what he was saying there. Uh, I'd like to offer also some... give RJ a point for introducing a new word called difficultiness. <laughs> Um, yeah. That's got Potter. It's got to be worth something. I know it seems silly for me to vote for another guy, but he's got to get at least a little bit of a bonus for difficulty ness. I will say that I would say that Eric offered some incredible insight, but he didn't actually answer the question. So I just want to point that out. That's not the most difficult thing you offer. Like here are ten things leaders screw up. That wasn't what was the most difficult thing. I'm in that category. Let's actually help our, our, our listeners and the people viewing this. So what RJ brought us back with was, I think, very important point. I don't want to gloss over it. Those that are thinking about getting into this full time or um, are still with a, a W-2 and making and looking to make that jump, you know, as a leader, these are decisions. These tough decisions are decisions that you have to make. And so if you're not somebody that wants that type of pressure, I would reconsider um, making that move because uh, these are the things that people don't tell you about. The person that's doing 50 deals with people coming to her door, she's not telling you the tough decisions that come with being an entrepreneur. It's almost like grit is important to running a championship level team. You guys are both wow. answering different questions, Leon. That was number one, the new investor, and Steve's still dragging grit because he got a, an actual point into the next it's one we just talked thing. about here's all the That's crappy right. things about running a business first time the audience for a point Brit. a month Brit. i'm gonna keep riding i'm gonna ride that train baby Brit. yeah Brit. <laughs> complimentary Brit, thank baby. you Eric, for being complimentary during throughout this entire show yeah you keep talking grit <laughs> Steve, steve's over here ordering lunch shrimp and grits um, that's how you get by you got to be a gritty tree <laughs> you can buy those two you'll win an nba championship and you can work for rj wow i am gonna agree with eric on this round from the aspect that rj is gonna get the point 
he he is he came with it and he brought us back and put us on track which i'm gonna be honest that's probably the first time rj's ever done that in the history of the show and for that we do thank you all right (laughs) question number five for today with real estate taking so much of your time how do you balance your lifestyle start us off rj i don't um i i don't necessarily want a balanced lifestyle um, I, I preach this to my kids, like go all in on your dreams on what you want, but whatever you're doing, do it a hundred percent. So if, Hey, I'm doing a 50 day challenge by God, I'm going to do it a hundred percent. But when I go watch their, their hockey tryouts this weekend, I'm going to be a hundred percent, the dad all in, not paying attention to anything else. And when I go to my daughter's dance recital on Sunday, I'm a hundred percent there. That's how I balance it, but it's not balanced. It's never going to be balanced. I'm a freaking entrepreneur. I am, I am dead set on what I'm doing. I'm, I'm in the prime of my life. I'm in my thirties. I've got to go create the legacy that I want. So it's not going to be balanced. And if I think it is, then I need to change the goals that I've set for myself and realize you're not going to achieve the goals that you have right now. You need to lower them because you want a balanced lifestyle. Love the passion behind that, RJ. You're you're coming with it. You are. All right, Steve. What about you? What are you doing for balance? Well, now my feelings are hurt because I do want a balanced life. Um, so <laughs> for me, it's a matter of prioritizing. You know, uh, we time block time with our family. Uh, so you know, I it's important to me that I take the girls to school every single morning, five days a week, and we talk on the way to school. Uh, I am. My goal is to be home by 5.30, 6 o'clock every evening and have dinner with my family every single night. There are days we go to Kung Fu lessons. There are days we take the piano lessons. So for me, the way to balance it is you got to be very clear in what you want and you got to prioritize. So we design a life and then a business that supports it. Many people by default build a business and they fit their life where it fits. You know, like the wife gets the best, uh, gets the rest of me versus the best of me. It's that same philosophy. So if you prioritize it, it's possible, but you got to work really hard to uh, maximize the time you have at the office versus kind of like, you know, chilling by the water cooler or whatever. Also, shout out to Steve on being a Kung Fu master. We, I don't think we've actually touched on that. So props to you on that. All right, Leon, what about you? What are you doing for balance? To RJ's point, um, in my 20s and 30s, this would be a completely different answer. I didn't have balance in my 20s and 30s. We talk to the, uh, our younger real estate investors in CG all the time about this. You're building something. You're not going to have balance. So your 20s, your 30s, you build to get to a point where in your 40s, 50s, and beyond, hopefully, you can have more work-life balance. It's hard to perfect. I don't think anybody on this on this panel uh, can say that they've ever perfected or gotten even close. We're all better today than we were. Uh, I can speak for myself. I'm better today than I was in my 20s and my 30s. I was horrible at work-life balance. But now I have a plan. I am always time-blocking things to be around my kids. I didn't have my first son until I was 35. Um, and so in my 40s, I do have more time, but it's not perfect. I just make sure that I'm, when I'm present with my kids, they get 100, with my wife and my kids, they get 100% of my time. 
and I'm not distracted. Um, but it's something that we're always working on and we have a plan by time blocking activities to make sure that I am present in their lives. But that wasn't the case, would not have been the case in my 20s and 30s while I was building something. Another vote for time blocking. All right, bro. What about you? So this is difficult, actually. I wrote down the, the two most difficult questions I'm ever asked. Number one is how do I get more work-life balance? Number two is name two things you admire about Steve Trang. Stumps me every single time. <laughs> I literally wish I was Savage. much better at at least answering a portion of that question. But I'll also push back a little bit um, to what I think Leon and RJ said is that there is no balance. I think that's an excuse that we tell ourselves to just not be better at seeking balance, right? And if you look at like the, the actual definition of balance, it's it's equal or at least proportionate for two separate things, right? And I think what we're what we experience in our 20s, like Leon said, where we don't have balance is we just didn't know how to do it. So we said that I'm building something or I'm doing this and I'm leaving a legacy, but I think you could talk to a thousand people and, and no one remembers the things that we bought them or the house that we lived in or the car that we drove. What they remember is the memories that we made together or the time that we spent together. So I think a lot of times, and I'm guilty of it. Listen, I did it for the first 15 years of my career. I said, ah, it's not possible. And I just, I kept working way too much and ignoring everybody in my life. It is possible. Get more skilled, hire a couple key people to make balance more reasonable and easier to obtain it's not impossible that's not a season you have to experience in your life it's a conscious decision to seek that balance from the beginning not this sort of myth that you have to earn it after 20 years of being miserable i just don't agree so <clears throat> to trangling's point um you know he said he has balance because uh, yeah i mean his goals are eight deals this year so i mean yeah it's easy for for steve to have balance um eric i mean i i said that i said it is a choice i'm i'm choosing to not have balance right now i i want to embrace the opportunity that's in front of me to dive into that I have that conversation with my kids about it, where it's the same thing. My son, and, and maybe this is a personality trait that I've bred into my, my kids. My son is hyper-focused and all in, where he has no balance in his life, where it's all about hockey. It's school and hockey. If he's not doing school, he's doing hockey. And that's where his choice is, is to be all in on that. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not because it's a myth. It's because I'm choosing to not be balanced. I don't think that's necessarily means it's a bad thing. I mean, it. I think it's different for every person. If that's, that's what right. you desire and that's what you want in your life, that's a hundred percent. That's the other you know thing I, I probably should have said is that balance for you may mean 65, 35. And, and, and if you died 10 years from now, and nothing changed as long as you're happy with that then then i support you and and and, and i think you're making the right decision um i think for a lot of us we believe that that needs to be our focus and then by the time like i'm 47 years old so and i have kids that are, are young right like how how much time do i have i read this um you know it's like a post or something the other day and it said by the time our kids are 18 years old we've spent 93 percent of the available time with them 
like put that into perspective, dude. By the time your kids are 18, you've basically your time together is done. So if we if we if we put our balance and focus into to our job, like you could work hard when you're 55. You could choose to be more balanced and spend more time with your family and slowly acquire skills, build more. And I'm not saying that's the way to go. That's probably counterintuitive to what everybody does, but that also would be a choice. But um, and I think I think looking back to like what RJ is talking about, and it's a choice. And I I think it's great that you have a conversation with your kids about it. I think that's really really important, right? Uh, so you know, growing up. My parents were never around. It wasn't because they were bad or absentee. It's just like they were both working 80 hours a week trying to raise six boys, right? So that was a sacrifice they had to make. But that also left a hole for me, right? And that's the reason why work-life balance has been such a priority for me, right? Like for as long as I could, I've tried to cap it at 50 to 55 hours a week. And I'm going to do everything I can within those 50 to 55 hours. But I put a limit to how many hours I want to work in a week so that I can have time with my family. So that's a, choice, that's a choice I made. And I think I encourage everyone that's listening to evaluate, right? What are you sacrificing to accomplish your, your goals? Because we, we tell ourselves we sacrifice so that we can have more for our kids later on. And if you're not having a conversation mm -hmm. with your kids, your kids might want time with you more than college paid for or whatever down the road. Well, one last thing I'll say about Go ahead. What we define, real, real quick, I just want to say that what we've, what we've found here in, in this conversation is what needs to be defined here is what is balanced to you. Mm -hmm. What is balanced to RJ is not necessarily balanced for me at this phase of my life um, or Steve or, or Eric. Um, both of us have young kids. He's got a few more. Um, but you've got to define what is balanced for you. At, in your life today. Go ahead, RJ. My, last thing I'll say about this, because I, I was kind of on the polar opposite end of this from you guys. The the reality of this is, is don't under, don't forget the part where I said it's 100% about the other things that are not business related when I'm there. I still, just like Steve, dinner every night, breakfast every morning, every weekend with them, never miss a game, never miss anything like that. So yeah, it's, I think my perspective about it is, is that I'm so a hundred percent on whatever it is that I'm working on. That's where I'm saying the balance isn't. I think the thing that's wild on that question is everybody answered it kind of the same way. If you really wanted to get down to it, like you really did. I will give a shout out to Brewer because, um, I read that same article with that graphic about by the time your children reach 18, you've spent 93% of the time that you will ever spend with them. And it's wild to think about that. Like it really is when you're talking about balance and things like that. Like I, I have a daughter that just turned 18 and I'm like, man, there's like 7% left. Like that's wild to me. Um, Everybody absolutely killed it on that round. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with Eric on this just, more than anything, I just kind of want to get him on the board. I'm tired of seeing that goose egg that's there. So, you know, we won't say it's pity, but we won't say that it's not either. Um, so next up, we have our audience question, and I'm going to go ahead and run this down a little bit for you guys so that you can get a little little bit of um, information on it. Um, 
This is in regards to Nebraska. There is a bill that is going through, and it says, how would you recommend new wholesalers navigate the new wholesale laws in Nebraska, which is L, uh, let's see, it's LB892. Do you think it will create a niche market for seasoned investors? And with regards to this specific bill, so that you guys know, it requires two disclosures to be signed by the seller of a property to understand that, number one, you're a wholesaler, and number two, a realtor must be involved in the transaction. Otherwise, you're not allowed to market it. All right, let's go ahead and start this off. Start us off, Brewer. I mean, without knowing a whole lot about it, it sounds like the exact reason why if you're not already, you should be doing novations. Every single one of our novation deals is listed with a real estate agent. Um, we had, I believe, our biggest month ever in May um, we closed over $500,000 in novations in one month. Um, now, some of those deals would have been decent wholesale deals. Um, we certainly could have probably fixed a, and flipped a few of them. But every single one of those transactions went to the open market. There was a licensed real estate agent involved in one, probably two sides of that deal. Um, listen, I, I think we know that compliance is coming. There's going to be regulation as, as, as much as RJ doesn't want to see it. And... You're going to have to, in some capacity, be licensed and, and, and probably have to uh, over disclose, certainly more so than what we're doing now. Um, you know, I'm not excited about it. It's not thrilling, but I think it may sort of trim a little bit of the fat from the, the bottom half of, of people that don't maybe operate with a high level of ethics. Um, it'll make business more difficult. So that feels tough in the beginning, but at the end of the day, I think it'll reduce um, competition for, for guys like us. Um, and it'll clean up a little bit of the bruised reputation. I think our business has very good points. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I do want to share with you, Brewer, uh, not sure how you have everything structured on your novation side. They are also looking at if you have an attorney in fact on it, that there's going to be regulation with regards to that as well. So just throwing that one in the mix. No All right, RJ, what, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? Well, I absolutely love this question because we're doing it right now. Uh, we have three properties under contract in Nebraska. Um, and, and yes, you have to get a seller's disclosure signed. You have to get a disclosure signed with the seller. Essentially, tell it that they are agreeing that you are wholesaling the property. And there has to be a licensed realtor involved in the transaction. And I don't mind this. Uh, because it's going to get rid of all the people that suck at talking to people. This was this it makes it super easy if you've already told the seller, "Hey, your shit box in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. I can't do anything with it except go out and find the people that buy in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. That's what I do for a living. I'm going to wholesale the property." Now I'm saying, "Hey, remember when I told you I was going to wholesale? Can you just sign this little thing right here?" And the realtor is not necessarily the one that is marketing the property and selling it for you. You just have to have a licensed realtor there. So under our little agreement, our disclosure at the bottom of our investor lift email, it says licensee number boom, boom, boom is our licensed realtor that's helping this transaction. So it makes it, God, Eric, it makes it. Uh, a lot easier for those of us that were already doing things transparently and open to our sellers. I love how the disclosure goes, sign this little thingy here, like super sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> no one could ever say that. 
Well, don't you remember, Mr. Smith? We had you sign that little thingy when the real tour was out there. <laughs> Jeez Louise, bro. Oh, man. That's adorable. Uh, I ain't even mad at it. Um, And for those that want to learn how to tell a seller that they have a ship box, feel free to reach out to RJ Bates III with regards to Titanium Crucible. It's free now, by the way. (laughs) All right, Steve, what about you? What are your thoughts? I mean... Anytime we have regulation, all it does is it just reduces the amount of competition, right? So it just makes our jobs easier, right? Like we had that whatever stupid bill that came out in Arizona a year or so back, right? It's like you have to disclose your wholesaler. Great. It's already in our contract. Like it's already been disclosed from our conversations, right? So it doesn't change anything. To have a realtor be involved, that's also easy. You just have a realtor on your team. All you have to learn is how to you got to talk about earlier network, right? Have a real to be part of your sales team. And then you can market the property. It's, it's funny to me, like what kind of barriers are trying to add here? Cause these are such laughable barriers to entry. We're not making it harder at all to wholesale, but it's going to reduce some competition. It's, I don't think it's going to do very much to, to, to us. This is, we just step right over these challenges. The barrier is extremely low. It, it definitely is. All right, Leon, what are your thoughts on this? So first of all, to all my Nebraska uh, folks, uh, you can send all complaints to RJ Bates the third uh, care of uh, RJ to his social media. I love all the Huskers out there. Uh, this is not this is not unprecedented. Uh, we've talked about this. It's it's been a while. But regulation is coming. I mean, Chicago did this like three years ago. Oklahoma, the, the entire state did this about that same time. So we talked about lobbyists and how there's no National Wholesalers Association. There is for realtors, right? So this is coming. Prepare for it. Where there's problems, there's always a solution. There's always workarounds and opportunities for those that um, actually run a professional business that don't say things like thingy, right? You have a professional business that you can make these type of decisions easy because you're already doing them. You probably already have somebody on your team licensed and or you are a licensed So this is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. This regulation isn't stopping in Chicago, Oklahoma, uh, Nebraska or any other state. It'll be nationwide in time. So just prepare for it and do what you need to do to to continue your business model. I love the guy that's really proud of how he speaks is saying shit boxes thingies and like I talk good or something along those lines. You know, what's, a, what's hilarious about that is is Leon thinks Chicago is a state. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you know that, Leon, but uh, it's called Illinois. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure I said Chicago as a state. I said the state of Oklahoma, but, yeah. you know. We'll go back and video review there. Uh, yeah. no, review the game film. Play on that one. All this did is make a super easy, free way for licensed realtors in Nebraska to reach out to every wholesaler out there and say, you can use my license for a flat fee. I mean, immediately – we, we have been just bombarded by Nebraska realtors saying, you want my license number? Sign this agreement. Sign this I'll agreement. That's what it is. 
<laughs> bombarded four people respond to his text message. Uh, 50 releases in 50 days, baby. Our, our, our deals are so good, Eric, that by the time we've talked to four people, we've already sent an assignment. There's not four deals in Nebraska this year. <laughs> hey, Nebraska's good. We already have three. So really? what? There's only going to be one other wholesale deal. I'll buy year. one. Sell me one. What are they, like 12 bucks? I try to I sell you multiple deals. You take forever to respond. There's a difference between a deal and a shit box, and I respond to deals quickly. I respond <laughs> to shit boxes very slowly. It's a, I'm, I'm not from Nebraska, but isn't it ironic that the guy from York, PA, is, is talking about deals in Nebraska? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We already covered this. First yeah. capital of the United States. So, <laughs> yeah. so we, there's no York. York. By the way, he's from Wichita, Kansas. No one here yes. has ever been there. We don't know anybody from there. We're not sure you are. Nobody cares. So which is a lot more impressive than York. I mean, like you've never I don't been wanna, here, dude. I'm and, not trying to belittle York, but which is, is immensely more Phoenix. impressive. Eric, you grew up in a casino and you tell everybody you're from Phoenix. <laughs> Eric, you have <laughs> yeah. more of which. Where are you from? Walking you know. stick. You know that's what it's talking right? stick. Yes. <laughs> 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 I thought we were going to talk about my gambling problem here. Someone's going to say down his slot machine at the talking awesome. stick. Oh. I I literally have nothing to follow up. Like <laughs> complimentary. complimentary. I'm going to take Eric today. <clears throat> I'm going to take it to the chat since it was a chat question. I mean, everybody oh, answered it effectively the same. Um, <clears throat> Don't be a lady. Be a legend. Yeah, exactly. There we go. We got we got RJ uh, Kaczynski Bates over there, the third. Um, he is awarded the point. He will be our champion this week. Um, he the will not be infringed. Oak tree. <laughs> be a tree, brother. Be a tree. That's your next gift. I'm gonna send you. <laughs> send him a tree. It's on its right now. Hopefully, it doesn't grow too much by the time it gets there. <laughs> send him like a bonsai tree or something. <laughs> Hanukkah bush. <laughs> All right. We we have had a lot of fun today, clearly. Uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. This was a great show. A lot of friendly banter. A lot of good points taken. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm your host, Matthew Potter. I'm going to go ahead and give everybody their 45 seconds on the outro, except for Steve. He gets eight. Start us off. Champion, RJ Bates. Yeah, so we are currently doing 50 deals in 50 states, 50 days. We've already exceeded that um, through 24 or 23 and a half days. Um, we have sent out 90 contracts, 60 plus are signed. Um, the key to doing that is, is your hedgehog concept. Stop searching for unicorns. Focus your habits. Be consistent as a tree, and that's how you create your own reality. They don't teach you that at Brewer Method. So if you want to learn how to do these types of things, Come to the Titanium Crucible, June 9th and 10th. Eric, thanks for the gift, buddy. You're welcome, bro. All right. Next up, everybody pit, Everybody picked on him with his 1982 shirt. Steve, go ahead and say bye to the people. I'm going to leave it simple. Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptors, and you too can be a tree. <laughs> that might be the best outro of all time. All right. Leon, Leon G. Barnes, talk to us.
Leon G. Barnes, great to be back with everyone. I am uh, much grittier and uh, totally understand <laughs> how not to wear a Smedium shirt uh, because of this episode. <laughs> He's a Kung Fu master. <laughs> He's been fighting to get that shirt on for the better part of an hour. Stay to my face. Stay to my face. I will. I'm going to come in there in a second. Brewer, talk to us. Uh, listen, I have fun. I look forward to this. Um, whoever's been doing the questions, I think over the last three or four shows, um, they've gotten progressively better. And uh, I look forward to being here. It challenges my thinking. I think uh, the question today about work-life balance is, is something that's very elusive. Um, and you have some ex pretty extraordinary people on this call that all sort of struggle with it, even today, right? Like we have sort of a, a definition that's the same, but everybody's trying to find more of whatever that balance looks like. So I just appreciate the opportunity to be here, um, expand my thinking a little bit, um, and I look forward to being back next week. There, there's the kind Eric we've been looking for since the beginning of the oh, show. Yeah. Here to stay. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we will be back next Thursday. I, on the other hand, will not. There will be a guest host, probably RJ Bates. Brewer. If uh, yeah, baby. RJ, you got to hold it down for me. You got to wrangle these guys in. Um, me, me and my wife are headed down to Florida for our anniversary. So RJ is going to be the that. assistant manager. to jacksonville to celebrate no we're going we're going down to key west good god maybe i'll take you to jacksonville we'll get some fish tacos you can stay at my shitbox airbnb in jacksonville oh. good, good lord there is something wrong with y'all 78 bucks a night it's a nice trip uh man all right everybody thank you for tuning in as always we will see you next week have a good one